0: Well, let us look now at James chapter 4. And James is one of those letters in, in the New Testament that is very, very practical. Uh, you might say, well, it's not, very, uh, it's not very theological. Well, the more you look at it, the more theological you see that it is. Because all of these practical things we read in James are based upon theological truths. And so, uh, anyway... Let me read to you here, we're going to start in chapter 4, and I'm just going to read with, start with verse 13, and we're going to go down to the end of that chapter, which would be verse 17. He says, "'Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, and spend a year there, and trade, and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, and then vanishes.' Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Well, the date was June the 18th, 1954. And everything seemed to be going in the right direction for a young man named John. A month earlier, he had celebrated his 37th birthday. And in two months, he would celebrate his first wedding anniversary. And the future could hardly be brighter for him. I mean, he had it all. Beautiful wife. He was as rich as nobody's business. He was handsome. He had a degree from Harvard. But on this day, he was tending to business, and he was doing something that a lot of people never get around to doing, but they should. He was drawing up his will. He just thought it would be a good idea, and of course it started off with some, you know, legal mumbo jumbo that you have to start a will with, and then he got into the body of the will, and it began with this little phrase, being mindful of the uncertainty of life. Not a bad way to start business right there. Because you see, nine years and five months and four days later, that little phrase would echo like a prophecy. Because you see, when John, after he finished making that will out, and nine years and five months and four days later, John became the fourth president of the United States to be assassinated. Being mindful of the uncertainty of life, and that is what James is telling his readers and he is telling us, is that we must be mindful of the uncertainty of life. There's nothing uncertain with God, it's just that He doesn't reveal everything to us and there's so many things that we just have to live by faith. Or we just have to trust that God's going to take care of us. Jo- James writes to a lot of different people in this letter. He, he dressed down the people who showed favoritism to those that appeared to be rich and wealthy. And in this part of the passage that we're looking at, he is dealing with people that were self-centered. He's dealing with the businessmen, the movers and the shakers, the guys that could say, okay, let's get our goods, we'll go to this town, we'll set up shop, and we'll work there for about a year, and we will make some money, and after we do that, we'll move somewhere else. Maybe like some guys that I know, As a matter of fact, I have a family member that's done this, and he's not a greedy person at all, but he, he bought one business, he built it up into a great business, and then he sold it. And just thought that he was going to be able to lead the high life after that. And then he decided, no, I'm going to buy another business. And so I'm going to do that. And that's what James is talking about. Here's people that are making money and doing well with their money. And he is not condemning them for making an honest buck. He really isn't. What he's talking about is this. they're He's not, not condemning them for that. They were guilty of something else and they were guilty of having forgotten God because they had this mindset that you can live a full life without God. As a matter of fact, they felt like they probably were living a full life without God. James is warning his readers, he warns even us today, beware of the self-centered life where you feel like everything that goes on in life goes completely around you. The greatest sin that we can commit is not necessarily sexual immorality. It's not necessarily murder. It's not necessarily a lot of things like that. The greatest thing, that you, the worst thing that you could do right now is to ignore God. Our greatest need in life is to know Him and acknowledge Him as Creator and Lord. We are taught what the greatest things are in life is. We are taught what you have to do to have the real life. And what you need is stuff like prestige, you need to have money, you need to have physical beauty, but that's not where real life is found. Real life is found in knowing God. Financial ruin can soak up all of your money. Slander from your enemies or just stupidity on your part can ruin all of your prestige and can do it in no time. And physical beauty, Let's face it, folks, it doesn't last forever. I know whenever you look at things on TV or in a movie or something like that, all the women are beautiful and that type of stuff. What you don't know is that they've had like a ton of makeup on their face or they have hair things that they put up there, toupees the men do. And the thing is, is that you aren't going to be able to hang on to that look that you had when you were 24 it's going to go bye-bye one of these days and if if that's what you're living for and if that's what your life revolves around you don't have a life understand this faith in god and knowing god are the things that the world can't take away from you <laughs> financial disaster wrinkles and baldness they can't take that they cannot take away from us the knowledge of god in the faith that we put in God. Now, listen, I heard some amens on that, and I like it whenever people say amen. It's a dangerous thing to do with some preachers because it makes us preach longer. <laughs> but we may say amen to this, and we may not nod our head in agreement. We have to ask ourselves, though, does our lifestyle agree with, what we sh- with our, our head nods? Let me ask you this, and this is the way I think that we should answer that question. We'll answer it with another question. How serious are we about knowing God better? (laughs) If you want to know God better, it means that you are focusing on the right things in life. If you feel like you've arrived, you ain't there yet. You're getting into that self-centered lifestyle that is going to disappoint you someday. Another thing that we see here is this, and this is another thing that James brings up in this passage, and is to remember that we do not control our destiny. Here these people, these guys were making plans if they would go to some place and turn a profit, and James said, and you don't even know that you're going to be living that long. You know, what, kind, what, what is your life anyway? He said, it's a vapor. It's something that isn't going to last. You know, he's telling, he tells us today that we, that we that who think that we have all things under our control and that we're going to live forever. And folks, you may have a 50-year lease on a, on a farm somewhere, but you've got a five-minute lease on life. You know, our future is based on God's will. That's what James brings out in here. He said, what you ought to say is this, if God wills, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. You know, try as we might and think whatever we will, we do not control our destiny. And the Bible tells us that over and over and over again, because it tells us that it is in God that we live and move and have our being. In the Scripture, like in Psalm 139, it tells us that all of the days that are, that are ordained for us were written in God's book before the very first one came to be. You know, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, there's always but, well, it kind of teaches us this in a way, at least it always what it's what it teaches me, is a thing that David told Jonathan one time, and you've heard the story. You know, old King Saul had a son named Jonathan, and Jonathan and David were best buddies. King Saul was just a maniac, and he was out to kill David. And one time David told his dear friend Jonathan, who was Saul's son, he said, there is but a step between me and death, and that's really the way it is for so many of us. You know, you can think of all the times in in which God could have taken your life away from you. It was like one friend of mine. He he was... uh, He was a fine Christian man and he and I could laugh at each other, but uh, he just had a hard time there for a while. One one night his business burned down and business hadn't been good. He had dropped the insurance on it because he couldn't afford it. The only thing that survived the fire was a screwdriver that he had stuck in his pocket when he went home that night. That's all that he had left. Then after that, let's see, what did he do next? Oh, he had this old motorcycle and he got it running and he took it out for a a test run and he was going down the road, down a county road, and this big old black Labrador came out and he swerved to miss it and then he went off in the ditch and I've forgotten what all he did to himself, but all of it was ugly. And then... I forgot, he did something else. Oh yeah, he was getting ready to cross the highway and he didn't look well enough and he pulled out in front of someone and they T-boned him. He was in the hospital with some of that and I just told him, I said, you know, Richard, I said, God must really love you because he's had so many chances to kill you and he's passed all of them up, you know. The thing is this, is there's always but a step between us and death. You know, think of it this way. How many times did you just nearly have a wreck? And it would have been a bad one if it had just happened just a few seconds different. You know you know, our whole life, even if our life were to last for a 100 years, is really brief. It's described here as a vapor. You may live to be 100. You may live to be 110, for that matter, or 120 years old. but even if you live that long, your lifespan will be just a little microscopic dot on the history of mankind. That's all it's going to be. Your life is always short. It's always brief. It's like a vapor. Before you know it, it will leave. As you grow up, you realize that, you know, a decade seems to be so far away, but once you reach a certain time in your life, ten years is nothing. And then if you were to live uh, to be 60 or 70, whenever you were a teenager, you thought that that was really, really old. But whenever you reach that age, that doesn't seem to be that long ago. I can remember things that I did whenever I was five years old. It seemed like it was only yesterday. And and so that's just the way it is. It's a reminder here, life is brief. And it's uncomfortably brief. Our life is too brief for us to waste a day of it in anger and in jealousy and in scrabbling after the things that really don't matter. Our life is too brief to spend one day of it without God. You know, one of the greatest fallacies that we have in life is that we always have enough time. And so what James is telling us to do is this is that we need to do what is right, and we need to do it right now. You know, on the judgment day, we are going to stand condemned, not just for what we've done wrong, but what we haven't done right. You read about that, about the parable of the sheep and goats in Matthew chapter 25. Matter of fact, speaking of Matthew, Matthew, Here in Matthew chapter 7, there's another, almost like a little short parable right here where Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now notice what, notice what it says, those that find the narrow gate are few. It doesn't say anything about people finding the wide gate. You know why? You're already on the road to destruction if you haven't put your faith in Christ. What do you have to do to go to hell? Absolutely nothing. Ignore God and you're on your way. That's what we have to do. Understand this. Is that the time for us to be right with God is now. A fellow wrote that or, or spoke this at a thing that I went to years ago. And he said this, he said, since we do not know the future and we cannot guarantee it, we must commit our lives to the one who is the Lord of life and death. The life that we hope to present to Christ when we die should be the life that we are living right now. Because the time to get in touch and in step with God is today. Not tomorrow. Not next year. Because we are not certain about the future. Only God is. Let's pray together. Now, our Father, we thank you for your truth. And that your truth guides us to you. We pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to your truth and we would begin to realize how, how how short this life is and how much we need to depend upon you to go down the right path. Oh, Lord, I pray that if for those who don't know you, for those who have never found that narrow gate that leads to eternal life, I pray that you would open their hearts and open their minds so that they would depend upon you. And I pray that you would do this with all of us today, Lord, that you would open our minds to see your truth so that we would live with you more closely and enjoy your company more each day, and that we would glorify you in all that we do. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.